Well, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn back to the passage we used actually last week, which is John chapter 20. So we're going to continue in this story. And there's a real reason uh, why I believe the Lord laid this on my heart to share. Uh, and uh, in, a, in a time of prayer, it just became abundantly clear uh, to me uh, how uh, this time that we're in actually mirrors the moments following the resurrection. Now, uh, for us right now, uh, this is one of the most uncertain times ever. Uh, here's how I know that. I have sat with my fifth grader and I have tried to do his math homework. Listen, I have never been more uncertain ever, okay? I, I did a lot of math a long time ago, but I am, I'm getting rekindled with a fifth grade math, seventh grade math, ninth grade math, 10th, tenth grade math. I'm, I'm, I'm growing again. And so uh, if you think your kids are un, uh, uh, uncertain, uh, listen, how many of you could uh, give me a witness that uh, this has been an uncertain time for you? Just try to help them get their homework done and help them stay engaged. Well, it has been. And there's a lot more uncertainty than just with our, our, our kids uh, being educated. It's like, okay, what's going to happen in the economy? What's this, the next couple of months uh, going to look like? What's this look like for the church? What's this look like for our nation? Are things crumbling under our feet right now? Are the very Christian foundations of this nation and uh, that, that we've stood upon for so long, are the liberal uh, that we hold so true and, and self-evident? Are they falling apart in front of us? And, and so many people are just, just, just shaking in uncertainty. But I actually believe, uh, now, now hear me out on this, that one of the most uncertain times for the early church was the time between the resurrection and the day of Pentecost. There was this great time of uncertainty. Uh, um, several theologians uh, that I, I, I just honor and, and love have written about the resurrection in this way. It's the most profound uh, act of victory ever, ever released on the earth. However, it had little influence on the early church until Pentecost. It had, there was so much fear and so many things that were exposed during that uncertain time. And we are going to look at the lives over the next couple of week, weeks of two people who had walked with Jesus intimately, knew him well, knew his ministry, had seen his power, and how God did a powerful personal work in uh, their lives during this time of uncertainty so that they could fulfill God's desire for them in a time of outpouring. So let's, I want you to go to John chapter 20 and we're gonna start uh, uh, today by looking into a, a disciple's life named Thomas. Now, I know when I say Thomas, uh, most of you include another word, uh, doubting Thomas. And, and uh, you know, honestly, you could insert that word in front of almost every disciple. 
Uh, they were all filled with fear, doubt. They, they, they ran out on Jesus during his time of persecution. Only John is there at the cross of all of the disciples. So you could actually insert that title there. And I understand why people do that, but that actually did not define Thomas. Thomas was actually one of the more bold disciples uh, that, that actually walked with Jesus. He was very uh, zealous for the Lord. Uh, matter of fact, we find that um, after Pentecost and after uh, he uh, receives a, a grand encounter with Jesus himself, he goes on to leave the Roman Empire and he goes to India. And still to this day, the effects of Thomas's ministry in India are still felt today. And so this man did a powerful work. So to label him for all of time as a doubter really only describes a brief moment. Literally, it's, uh, it's only uh, about a week uh, of his life. And really who he should be celebrated as as one of the greatest uh, missionaries and martyrs in all of Christendom. And so let's look at his story and let's see what the Lord would say to all of us about uh, this, this wonderful disciple. John chapter 20, we're gonna begin in verse 19. And it says this, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So here's the picture. All of the disciples are terrified on the day of the resurrection. They're terrified. But what does Jesus do? Jesus walks through a locked door and comes and ministers to them. And, and what does he do? He says, look at the scars. This is really me. Now let's continue to read verse 21. So Jesus said to them, peace to you as the father has sent me. I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, same condition, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to them, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Uh, I'm sure that many of us in our walk with God have found ourselves in the same 
condition that Thomas found himself in. He was surely doubting. He was surely in a state of unbelief. But there was, there was a work that Jesus was committed to do in Thomas's life in an uncertain time. And this is the work. He was committed to restoring his faith. He was committed to restoring his, his concrete belief in who Jesus was and what he would do and that he would make good on all his promises. And let me just, let me just say from the very beginning that this is what the Lord is doing right now. In this uncertain time, God is restoring the faith of many. There are many people who have been in the church and perhaps you've been uh, distracted or uh, you, know, you, you had your eyes on other things. But in this time where everything seems to be uh, turned down or turned off or the entertainment is pulled back, all of a sudden in this hour, the church, the true church is coming alive. And, and we are seeing the faith of many rise. Why? Because this is the work that Jesus did in the middle of an uncertain time. Why? Because he was preparing Thomas for an outpouring. He was preparing him and getting him ready for a time where God's spirit would be poured out on him and a whole region in Asia would be, would be met with a powerful man named Thomas. And so, but there was a work that needed to be done, a work of preparation that needed to be done in the heart of Thomas. And I believe that in many of us, maybe you watching today, you, maybe you're already born again. There's a work of faith that God wants to do. There, if you're not yet in relationship with God and you know you're not right with God, listen to me, this word is for you as well. Here you are in the midst of an uncertain time looking for anything to stand on, anything to build your life upon, that which is actually true, that which would lead to life. And I believe today you are gonna see some elements that God has been interjecting in your life from this story as he is restoring true biblical faith in our lives. So, there are some building blocks of restored faith. But why would God need to restore faith? Here's why. Thomas was disappointed. He was disappointed. This is the man who when Jesus said, I've got to go up to Jerusalem and suffer and die, he's the one disciple that says to all the rest, he says, let us go up with him and die as well. Like you don't see very many quotes of Thomas in the scripture, but that one's there. He's the guy that say, well, if he's dying, I'm dying. Okay, this is the same disciple. And I don't know about you, have you ever been really zealous for the Lord? Have you ever been that person that is just, uh, I mean, you're just amazingly annoying for Jesus? I mean, that's probably Thomas, right? He's with, he's with Jesus. He's excited. He's seeing God move. And, and man, he's just like, Jesus said, yeah, I've got to go up to Jerusalem and suffer and die. He says, let's go with him and we'll die too. Right? 
And, and many of us, when we get, when we get born again, uh, you know, there's all this zeal. There's all this life. And then we have these expectations that perhaps uh, revival is going to break out in a day. That God's going to heal everybody that we pray for. That God is going to, that, that man, it's, it's, it's on now. I'm saved. I'm here. I'm the one. And now I start walking through life. And what am I met with? I have these unmet expectations that come along. And this is exactly what happened to Thomas. You see, disappointment thrives in an atmosphere of unmet expectations. Disappointment thrives there. And let me just encourage everyone who's watching, if you feel disappointed today, I've got good news. God's coming after you. You need to find yourself in this story. He's coming after you. But we need to understand that that disappointment that's in our lives, God didn't bring it there for no reason. He actually wants to expel it and give you a full view of who he is. He wants to give you a full view. Disappointment won't carry you into your destiny. You don't move in disappointment. You're paralyzed. You do nothing. You're just simply broken. Another word that is, is so intimately connected with it is despair. It's the absence of hope. It's the absence of, of knowing that God would do something good. So we want to, to make sure that this, this atmosphere of disappointment, this atmosphere of unmet expectation, that we confront it with a few things. And I think this is what God is doing right now. And so if you're watching me, I want you to just make some personal notes and see if these things are showing up in your life. Because I believe this is how the building blocks of restored faith, I mean real faith, the faith that moves mountains, guys, this is the faith that, that we are called to have in this day. Uh, your faith is built for adversity. It's not made for just smooth sailing. Faith is meant to speak to storms and speak to things in the way. That's what faith is made for, to be able to overcome. Well, you don't overcome anything when you're never facing anything. And faith is what helps us to overcome. So let's look at these building blocks from this passage that I believe God is releasing in this hour. First, building blocks of restored faith is this, a word. There's a word that comes. Another way of saying this would be like a, a, a testimony comes. John 20, 24 says, now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples said to them, we have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. What is happening? He is being testified to. Somebody is sharing a testimony. We have seen the Lord. And I don't know about you, but right now, the internet uh, is almost, I mean, it is inundated with testimony. It is inundated with a, a, a word of encouragement. It's on every corner. If you look for it, you can find it. It's everywhere right now. And, and let me just say, there is something powerful, sons and daughters, about in this hour releasing a testimony of saying, I have had my own encounter with God. This was the first building block, the first thing that came to Thomas in this hour of disappointment. It was a word of hope. It was a people that had, filled, had been filled with hope and people who had been filled with God's spirit sharing a testimony. And listen, I know the testimony must have went something like this. Thomas, you won't believe this. 
Dude, we were so afraid. We thought the Sanhedrin was going to beat down our door and we were going to get stuck on a cross. We were shaking a week ago and Jesus walked through the locked door. Anybody else in their life, have you ever had a locked door to Jesus? Have you ever had a locked door? I had a locked door. I had a locked door and nobody knew it was locked because I wasn't telling anybody. I was, in my mind, I, I had these stupid religious thoughts. And, and I had, the door was locked behind. The, I guess if you could have read the title over the door, it would have been the opinions of man and the thoughts of friends and how I'm going to be received and how I'm thought. You know, I, I, want, I want to go to heaven, but, you know, I don't want to be that one that doesn't fit in. I don't want to be that one that, that, you know, that doesn't really, you know, just connect with my people or get to do what I want to do. And there I am. And I've got my own locked door. But I am, a, I am a person who shares this testimony that God, when I had my door locked and I was trying to plan my escape, Jesus walked through my wall. Jesus walked through the door. And we need a company of people who will look at a people in disappointment and say, listen, I, here's my story. Jesus came when I was fearful, when I wasn't looking for him, when I thought everything was going down. Jesus came in and these were his words to me. Peace be unto you. That's not just, just, just the absence of conflict. That is the presence of God that shows up. He is the God of all peace. And what does God do in a time of uncertainty when he's wanting to restore people's faith and restore a relationship with God? He starts sending a word. After all, this is how faith is built. This is how faith is built. This is how faith begins. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I know that is, that is referring to the scriptures. I know that is referring to those things which God has, 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 has laid out for us. And that is where that comes. But it also comes when you hear what the word of God has produced in the life of another person. You need to hear this. We as sons and daughters must testify. We need to be the ones that word, that testimony is being carried on. We need to be the ones that are sharing that word. And listen, if you're outside of a relationship with God or, or you're in a time of uncertainty and fear and saying, listen, I see what all of you other Christians are saying. I see what, what you're saying, Pastor Otis. I see what, what these other people have said, but you know, I, I'm not there. Listen, listen to the word. Church, we need to be committed because there's lots of people in this place, in this position. Notice how Romans continues, though, after it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It says it this way, but uh, it, it, this is describing God's pursuit of lost Israel. He says, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words 
to the ends of the world. Church, we must participate with God's heart to fill the earth with the testimony of Jesus. Those who today are disappointed and your faith is broken, here's what you need to do. You need to listen. You need to listen, allow God to give you ears to hear and listen to the words that are coming forth from lives that have been restored, from people who are getting prayers answered, from people who've had their own personal encounter with God. Listen to the words that are going forth in all the earth. Right now, there is testimony of Jesus spreading this planet like never before. And I know the miracle work of redemption in me personally. But God is doing this miracle work of redemption right now in many people, lots of people. They say, what do I need to do? I need, you need to listen. You need to open your heart. You say, hey, you know what? Listen, that, that works for you. I'm not sure if that'll work for me. It will work for you. God shows no favoritism. And, and listen, you need, you need a right view of God. Because if you continue to read Romans chapter 10, the last verse, 21, it says this, but to Israel, this is what God says, all day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary, contrary people. Listen, he, this is what he's saying. This is my position to you. All day long, my arms are outstretched to the disappointed. All day long, my arms are stretched out to those with broken faith. This is the position of God to you today. His arms are outstretched and his word to you today is come. Come. Come into this loving relationship with God. Come and let your faith be, be restored or even initiated. Come. Next, we see in this story that, that God not only sends a word, but he sends a witness. Now, come on. Like when I first got saved, I went to a little black church in Mulberry, Florida called New Jerusalem Missionary Baptist. And, and the pastor there, he was amazing communicator, amazing communicator. And every once in a while, he would say, can I get a witness? And I was like, I, yes, you can. I have never heard that before in church, but yes, you can. And I'm like, yes, amen, hallelujah. There were a people who had been encountered with God, who were giving agreement to what was being said. And what God does when he's restoring people's faith, he gives them a word first, but then he gives them a witness, a, a person, someone who has visibly been changed and altered and touched by the reality of God. John 20, 26 says it this way, now eight days Eight days later, after the resurrection, the disciples are doing the same thing. There's one difference. Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace be to you. Now, I, I, want, I, I just want to sh show you something. The people, the people are a witness, right? 
these people had released a word, but Thomas wasn't there for their original encounter. Notice what verse 24 says. It says, now Thomas, called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. He was not with them. He wasn't with these witnesses. He wasn't with these, these people who, who, were, who were dramatically, in, had a dramatically encounter. With, where was Thomas? Where was he? At this point, there's only 11 guys to keep up with. Where's Thomas? I mean, they're all gathered. They're scared to death, but at least they're together. Where's Thomas? I would suggest to you, I don't know where Thomas was, but I want to say he was with the wrong people. He was with the wrong witness. How do I know that? Because for eight solid days after, he is unsure, no faith, no belief. But if he had been with the right people, there would have been this space where he was living and growing in faith. And let me just say this, uh, uh, who Thomas was with made all the difference. Who he was with made all the difference. And listen, if you are spending time with news anchors, listen, you are gonna live disappointed. You are going to live with no faith. But if you would dare to get around some people, either virtually, somehow connect on the phone, however you gotta do it, get with the right people so that God can restore your faith. God is definitely into spaces and people who come together. Listen, it's all throughout the scripture. Acts chapter two, 120 people in the upper room. Every single one of them get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Were there more believers in Jesus than 120? I know there were because the scripture says he appeared to at least 500. Where do they go? I don't know. They're probably hanging out with the wrong crowd. But if they had been in the upper room, fire would have come on them. Because there is something about gathering together with someone who has witnessed Christ. Getting together with the right people, that is why we pray every day. Right now, it's a gathering place for us. You say, well, you know, I'm not real sure about prayer. You know, maybe I'll get to that. Listen, if you wanna do that, I promise you, you'll be, you'll be gathering with other witnesses who are witnessing to other things. But why don't you come in the company of people who believe God, come into the company of people who will pray and who have, who have had a touch of God on their life. Get around the people who have been transformed by his love and by his power and by his spirit. By the way, not only did the, did, did the whole place get rocked in the day of Pentecost but look at Acts 4 when all the persecution was going on they went back Peter and John to their own company and they begin to cry out to God God stretch out your hands that mighty signs and wonders might be done in the name of the your holy servant Jesus and he, he, and then what happens God shakes the place God shakes the place and everybody there was filled with the Holy Spirit Everybody there. Were there more believers than were just there? Absolutely there were. But there is something powerful that happens. And here's what I am convinced of. I am convinced that there is a power and a grace that God only releases when God's people gather. 
that there is an anointing reserved for the gathering of the saints. And right now we're doing it online. And right now we're preaching and praying every single day. And my prayer is that the power of Acts 4 would shake living rooms and shake homes to the glory of God. And we would see this glorious thing take place. But it happens when we're connected to the people of God. Listen, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It is the truth. Matter of fact, it's not just the truth of Scripture It was actually a cultural truth, something that the Apostle Paul quotes from a a modern day poet of this this time. And this, this is absolutely true. Everyone needs to hear this. And this is why we need to stay connected. This is why we need to get around other witnesses. It says this, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And what happened to Thomas? Why wasn't he there? I don't know why he wasn't there, but something was corrupting the character that he had. What happened to the Thomas that said, I will die with him? What happened? He was living disappointed. But those who had been in the presence of Jesus for all of these eight days were living stirred up, were living out of an encounter they had with Jesus. So what do you need to do? If you haven't had an encounter, get around the people who do. Because eight days later, Later, Thomas realized I, have, I was in the wrong place a week ago, but I am committed to being in the right place around the right people who, who meant we're still scared. We don't know what's going to happen, but man, a week ago, Jesus walked through that door. And then what happens eight days later? Jesus comes through and Thomas then has his own encounter with God. It matters who you're connected with. It matters the voice that you're listening to. Now what if God placed people in your life to help lead you to your own encounter with God? I believe that's what he's doing. I love what Mark chapter 16, verse 20 says. This is is how we're supposed to live, church, as this witness. It says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Look at those words, the Lord working with. This is after the ascension. The Lord working with him, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. What are you saying? He's saying, listen, they were out. They were a witness, a people as a witness. He says, but the Lord was with them. The manifest presence of God was going with them. And so it matters that we get around the people who've had an encounter with God. The presence of God builds faith through the people of God. Why? Because they're releasing the word of God. Do you guys remember John 4? Do you guys remember this broken Samaritan woman? Samaria who feels utterly rejected. Those who, who, who have this, this big uh, racial divide, uh, religious divide. Jesus reaches out to the woman at the well and this woman who was so broken, been through so many relationships and now she's living with a guy, has an encounter with Jesus and when that region gets around that woman, that region has an encounter with Jesus. Guys, I want to say to you, it doesn't matter how broken you are right now. 
in order for God to reach Samaria, he found someone. He stepped into the, the, the locked up life she was living. She was actually trying to avoid people in the middle of the day. And Jesus came and found her. And the word found her. And the faithful witness, Jesus, found her, transformed her. She went and told all of the men and leaders of the city. And you know what happened? They all ended up with an encounter with God. It matters who you're running with in this hour. Listen, get connected with people who love God, who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Believe that God will move through his people supernaturally. And watch, watch how God begins to restore your faith. Lastly, the last area I want to just kind of bring to your attention, not only did God give Thomas a word and a witness, but he gave him a wound. He gave him a wound. It wasn't him wounding Thomas. He reached his wounds to Thomas. I believe that, that actually what Thomas was saying whenever he said, unless I see, unless I touch, he was actually saying, listen, Unless God does for me what he did for you, I can't believe. That's what he was saying because Jesus had just done the very thing a week before. Look, here are the wounds. So what does it say in John 20, 26? It says, after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with him, Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. Look at my hands, reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered, literally falling to his knees and said, my Lord and my God. Jesus granted Thomas's heartfelt desire, which was this. I want my own encounter with Jesus. I want my own. He says, I remember what he said. I saw the eyes open. I've seen his influence. But Thomas, in the midst of this uncertain hour, God knew that he needed to do a personal work in Thomas so Thomas would be committed to the kingdom work that he was called to. Jesus needed to come and restore his faith. And how did he do it? He gave him a revelation of the cross and the resurrection. He says, here's the wounds, touch. Here's my side. Here it is, look for yourself. And I wanna invite those who are watching today to look for yourself. Look for yourself at the cross and think of the grace of God that's been extended to each one of us. He used the cross and the resurrection and Jesus desires believers with restored faith to change the world in his name. And that's exactly what happens to Thomas when he moves out of disappointment and he sees that Jesus is actually raised from the dead and he's touching the wounds and he is, he is personally moved by Jesus saying, these wounds are for you, Thomas. As much as they are for the others who have been telling you this, who have been living as a witness all around you. These wounds are for you. Hear the word of the Lord. 
Those who've been wandering, those who are away, those who've been living in, in, in disappointment. Listen, these wounds are for you. This is the word of Christ to you, building your faith, saying the cross was for you. The suffering was for you, but so was the resurrection. The resurrection was for you. And God wants to give us a revelation of the gift of the cross and the resurrection in this hour in the midst of uncertain times because there's an outpouring coming. There's a revival coming. There is something significant that is going to impact the world and the church is going to see more souls saved in this hour. But God has to do a work in us of restoring faith. If your only faith in this hour is for things to go back to normal, you are missing God in this moment. We're not going back to normal. We're pressing in to the last hour awakening, the last hour harvest, the last hour drawing in God's love of people to the cross where Jesus is giving people their own encounter. Listen, some of you are hungry for an encounter with God. He's coming through your locked doors and he's restoring your faith in this hour because he's got a plan for you. India today still bears the marks of Thomas's restored faith. Because Thomas touched the marks that Christ bore for him. There was a purpose behind it all. The end of John chapter 20. It's like the, the Holy Spirit just says, hey, this is the reason. This is the reason why he was committed to restoring the faith of Thomas. John 20, verse 30, it says this. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This is written that you may believe. This story today is so that you, church, can have restored faith that Jesus is the Son of God. That he is the one with all knowledge, all power, the one full of grace. These things are written that believing you may have life in his name. In this hour, God is restoring faith through his word, through, through the witnesses, and through personal encounters with his wounds that he still bears today even after the resurrection. This is written that you may believe and be filled with the life of God.